As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. Every single day I come in here, I think about winning. You know, I don't do this year-round to come in and not make the playoffs. I'm sick of that shit, and uh, I want to keep winning. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. The Raiders are 3-4 and four after what can only be described as a terrible, terrible loss to the Chicago Bears, 30-12 to 12, uh, to a undrafted backup quarterback on one of the worst teams in the league. And, you know, we're going to talk about that, but as we're getting ready to record... Vic brought the positivity to us by letting me know that Josh McDaniels is now represented, excuse me, Josh McDaniels is now represented in the Hall of Fame with his visor from the Raiders' 500th win in franchise history. Josh McDaniels in the Hall of Fame in Canton to represent the the legendary franchise with 500 wins. Uh, Vic, I, I know you were very excited to see McDaniels uh, have his visor uh, there displayed forever, maybe. Yeah, it's a touching moment. It really is. I mean, I think for Josh, it signifies uh, just how far he's come as a coach in the last couple of years. And uh, I know people are doubting him and people are yelling at Mark Davis for his job. But you know what? Hey, man, he's in the Hall of Fame. So uh, take a take a bite of that, people. Just imagine like all the Raider greats, you know, all the Raider Hall of Famers that you grinded it out for these 500 wins and it literally gets capped off by Josh McDaniels' advisor. I mean, is this really the first time Josh McDaniels is in the Hall of Fame? I would have to imagine over over six Super Bowls with the with the Patriots. He's, he's, he hasn't snuck in there for some other reason. Is this really is this such a shining moment? 
He's probably like in a picture with a picture with Tom Brady, like you're on the side of the corner of a photo of Tom. Maybe I can see that. That's tough, man. You can't can't be from can't be from the city and that that be your, your only representation. I hope for his sake. The little placard that goes along with it definitely does mention that he's from Canton. So I'm sure that that played a role in uh in them taking something from McDaniel's rather than like, you know, maybe Max Crosby, somebody who is, you know, kind of giving his blood, sweat, and tears to this organization. But you know, we digress. You don't think Josh has cried? I think Josh has shed some tears in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> what about you? Let's move on to the game. It's a big game. Big. Let's talk about the game. Big, big game. Well, first, we got to talk about the last game. Yeah, they got the ass kicked by the Bears. Nah, last nah just no, no recap. Nobody wants to hear that. No recap. Nobody wants to hear that. Sh- nobody wants to hear that shit. We got to talk a little bit about it. I mean, it was. I mean, Brian Hoyer, 0-13 now in his last 13 starts, has not won a game. I, you know, we, We've said the stat a million times. I don't think he's going to win another game ever in his career. I would hope that that is the last time he starts as an NFL quarterback. You know, Vic, you've mentioned how many times you know, oh, that basically Josh McDaniels talked him out of retirement. He looked like he should be retired when he was out there. I mean, he, he does not look like a viable NFL quarterback. And yeah, maybe Aiden O'Connell isn't either. But at least we don't know that yet. We know that Brian Hoyer is not a viable NFL quarterback. And that's the call that Josh McDaniels made was to start him and basically got exactly what we expected. I mean, he they brought him in because he's a veteran who knows this offense. And he played nothing like a veteran that knows this offense. He played terrible. Yeah, he tended to uh, lock in a little bit on that first read. He definitely uh, he pretty much had like his hand moving across the field before he threw the ball at, at certain guys. So um, it was ugly. And obviously, the loss not all on him. The whole team played played terrible. And to me, you know, it's more of an indictment about what the coaches think about Aiden O'Connell. Like when people asked um, you know, Josh about after the game, like why not go with a rookie? And he's like, well, it ain't the preseason. So that tells me right there. There wasn't a lot of confidence. I mean, I think that after that first week, I guess the Chargers are getting a chance, and he held the ball too long. He probably made some bad throws. And he's figured, you know what? We're trying to win this game, and to us, our best chance to win is to go with the veteran guy who won't turn the ball over, which he did, and who will probably make some smarter decisions than he did. And it just kind of snowballed. And I think um, I don't know Brian that well, and obviously I haven't analyzed all 13 of his losses, but. I imagine there's probably a similar theme where he may have gotten locked in and maybe, um, I don't know, try to do too much or try to like just really focus on hitting that first read. Got probably his best guy. And just, um, yeah, NFL is tough. You got to, you got to diversify your offense a little bit. And he got, um, in the first quarter, had like what, seven passes to Devontae. And that, that one uh, series, second quarter, it was all, all Myers. So I just think, you know, I know it's on, on purpose, but you got, Defenses definitely can sense you know, that kind of stuff. So you got to move it around. And I was surprised they didn't throw the ball downfield more often because that was why I thought he deserved to start because that one pass against the Patriots, like their longest pass of the year, kind of gave them a different look they had all year. But when they threw the ball downfield once, that was a Trey Tucker, and they got, they got a PI call. So I, I always question why not why not do it more often if, it, if it's working. But uh, clearly they didn't in the offense. Um, you know, still, still a mess. He had opportunities to go downfield. I mean, there was that pass to Michael Mayer that was wide open down cover two. I know Vic didn't think it was wide open, but safeties were by the numbers. Mayer got past Edmonds after play action. He was looking right at him. I don't know why he didn't throw it. And they decided to go to Jacoby Myers for a, a good game, but it could have been probably a 30-yard pass. If he, just, he just lofted it over the linebacker. There's a period where he was just missing guys like just straight up air mailing passes so he's not making the right read he's missing he's missing players like what value does he bring you know over o'connell maybe like 
he said they thought that he could play a clean game, but he didn't play a clean game. So, I mean, it, it just it just didn't make sense. I think Josh probably thought they could win this game like 17 to 10, and he just wanted to get out of there with a the win. But it's just like this super conservative mindset that's been kind of holding the Raiders back. I mean, it, it obviously O'Connell has a higher ceiling, but, you know, they, they probably thought that he had a potentially – lower floor too but you need that higher ceiling you don't have a top 10 defense and you know maybe o'connell could have played better and maybe he could have scored more points but they didn't want to take that chance and i feel like decision to play hoyer really cost him yeah i think they might have overestimated how good they are you know that, that seems to be what it was like i mean even in you know the second half that he played against the patriots like he wasn't bad but he didn't like really do anything either and they like just held on to win that game essentially. And he probably thought, you know, this Bears game was going to be a similar game script that, you know, they would just need him just not to mess up in order for them to beat the Bears. And like the Raiders just aren't that kind of team. They're not that good. And um seems like a overestimation of, you know, where they stood compared to the Bears. And but you know, I, I think really for me, the, you know, even you know, because I, I can see the, the the logic for starting Hoyer, but I think after you see those first two quarters, I'm not really sure I see the, any reason to stick with them at that point. Like, I don't see why you don't insert Aiden O'Connell at halftime and give him a chance. I mean, you're already down, I believe it was double digits at halftime. Sticking with him for the entire game, I know O'Connell played at the end when the game was over, but not 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 going to him at halftime, I think, was, was the most damning thing. You know, and Vic, you mentioned how this decision really reflects probably how they feel about O'Connell. And... The strange thing there, and you know, and you hear McDaniel's kind of making these, you know, backhanded digs like uh, this is in the preseason, and and I'm sure some of that is McDaniel's hearing the chatter from fans and and the media, everybody that was ch- clamoring for him to start O'Connell. But you know, these kind of digs that he makes, you know, insinuating that O'Connell isn't isn't good enough or isn't ready. It's weird because you drafted him, but it's almost like he's painted himself into this corner where he's, you know, defending Hoyer and and kind of kind of fending off the O'Connell supporters when like he should be trying to uplift O'Connell, should be trying to get O'Connell ready because I mean, like again, Brian Hoyer better be retired at the end of the season. He you know, he better not be on this team next year. Your goal is that O'Connell at worst is your long-term backup and so I just I don't get like where it seems like McDaniel's is almost trying to fight off the O'Connell supporters by, you know, oh, this isn't preseason, and kind, of, you know, kind of trying to take little, almost little subtle shots at him. I put my uh, my Josh McDaniel's visor on right now and, and try to think like him. See, I think there's plenty of time this year to develop and work with O'Connell. We're only at week, you know, I was, we're seven games in. If this thing falls off, you know, off the tracks, then you can play him all you want. But I think right now, like we said, I think he thought the best chance to win this game was Brian Hoyer. Obviously, he saw enough in that game against the Chargers where he wasn't really positive or wasn't loving the idea of Aiden playing. So I think you're right. I mean, Obviously, looking forward, I mean, you want the young guy to, to develop and get some snaps. So who cares if Brian Hoyer gets snaps? But I think he's trying to win this game. I think um, I think fans may have gotten a little carried away with the preseason success of Aiden O'Connell. Like, I think uh, our buddy Josh DeBoe did a poll. I happen to see it. Who Raider fans want to see play quarterback? And um, O'Connell was like 75% and Jimmy was like 20, which to me is absurd. So I just think um, preseason season is great. And I just don't know if that really is an indicator of – of where he at is where he's at in terms of being a future starter. I think um, if he's a future backup, I think Josh would be happy with that. But um, yeah, I think there's plenty of time to play Aiden O'Connell this season if that's where we're heading. 
I think week seven, they wanted to win the game. They thought Brian Foyer would play a clean game. He didn't. That's what had, that was the mistake. And he definitely looked worse than I'm sure they thought he was going to. So, but I, I get why they made that move for the, this week. Yeah, I don't think it's really about defending Hoyer as much as it's making sure that this doesn't become like a full-blown like quarterback controversy because we know how fans are like if O'Connell goes out there and throws for 300 yards against the Bears or, or whatever um you know people like 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 Vic just pointed out like they already want him to start over over Garoppolo and so I think it might it's probably more so about Garoppolo than it is Hoyer from that standpoint but also, I think like 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 Vic said, like it's week week seven at that point. Like, if you're talking about you know developing young players and stuff, you're pretty much saying like the season is over. And I don't really think they're in a position to do that as a staff. Like, I, I think they have you know a lot of security, but I don't think saying we're going to take every chance we can to just develop the young guys. You know, when you're three and three and going into a game like that is really the move either. So, I get it. You know, it's, you know, that, I think some of it has been overblown too. Like after the 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 Chargers game when he said that O'Connell needs to protect the ball. I mean, like he did. He just fumbled the ball three times and threw an interception. Like I don't I don't know what else, what other determination you wanted to take away from that. So yeah, I think it's just fans being fans, honestly. My problem is with mindset. It's like it's such a conservative mindset. Like you know Hoyer doesn't have a high ceiling. I mean it's not high at all. You know, it, it it's very low. I think they knew that. And it's like they thought they were going to go into the game and just shut down the Bears offense. And it just feels like Josh McDaniel is always coaching like he has an elite defense that's able to get stops whenever they need to. And this defense is better than last year, and it's probably kind of a little below average, but not not terrible. But it's definitely not elite. So it, it just feels like that's the kind of mindset they're coaching with. And also, like, let's look at reality. Like, you're not a playoff team you know like why you're so desperate to you know get that win with with a safe performance from Hoyer when in reality you should be evaluating Aiden O'Connell and it's not like Hoyer is like 10 levels above Aiden O'Connell that you know like you know you're gonna get a win with with Hoyer and you can't get a win with O'Connell it's just that the the mindset of being safe and the mindset of not looking towards the future and and it's not like you know, you're throwing this game away by by starting O'Connell. I mean, it, you, we saw what happened with Hoyer. We have to also talk about the fourth down decision in the goal line also. You know, like they, I think the Raiders were down to fifth, two possessions, well, maybe three possessions in the fourth quarter. They're in the red zone. They go for a fourth and four. They convert. And then when they get six yards from the goal line and it's fourth down, they decide to kick the field goal and they waste two minutes off the clock. It's just a conservative mindset that it, it, this team is not good enough to win with that conservative mindset. You got to take some chances and it just, it, it just kind of maddening watching. This kind of seems to be some of the disconnect, you know, that Devonte Adams is experiencing where, you know, he's getting frustrated, like was getting frustrated even as they won those two games, beating the Packers and the Patriots, because you know he looks at this team and like, kind of like we do where, Okay, you're three and three, but you aren't playing well enough to be any kind of a contender. I mean, you're three and three beating three pretty bad teams. You know, we need this offense to be more dynamic. And, you know, McDaniels just doesn't seem to have that. Uh, You know, Vic, you wrote after this game that basically he he doesn't have any answers. Um, And then I know Ted and Tashawn kind of spent the week trying to find some, um, really going going and studying this offense and, and trying to figure out what 
exactly is wrong with this offense. You know, last year, you know, I think wasn't quite as good as we expected one of them to be, but, you know, was 12th in the league in scoring. Now they're 30th in the league in scoring. They're, they're scoring 16 points per game. Offensively, they have not put up 20 points in a game yet. Obviously, they hit 21 against the the, uh, the Patriots thanks to that safety. But Ted, Tashawn, I mean, what, what did you guys see as you kind of examine this offense as the major issues and and are there corrections that they can make yeah i think you know it's it's not one thing which kind of makes the solution or them finding a solution you know you feel less optimistic about it i mean you can start with the run game i mean the offensive line is just getting zero push up the middle you know josh jacobs it's not like he's suddenly forgot how to play football or something of that nature but it's just a lot of situations where you just really doesn't have anywhere to run. You know, he's hit really often behind the line of scrimmage or right when he gets there and pretty much has to break tackles or make somebody miss every time just to gain positive yardage. And that's only going to be so sustainable when it comes to having a productive run game. And, you know, defenses haven't even, you know, they've they've loaded the box in certain situations, but like even in, in circumstances where the offensive line has as many blockers or more, they still can't run the ball. And so, you know, early in the season, we saw a lot of loaded boxes and, and teams playing one high, but now teams are been, a- been able to stop the run against them just sitting back in two high and, and playing, you know, normal boxes. And that makes it even harder, you know, for a passing offense that already isn't explosive and doesn't pu- push the ball downfield. And, you know, the defenses are basically just sitting on top of the, all their short to intermediate routes in the pass game and forcing them to throw into these tight windows. And that's not really where, Jimmy Garoppolo or any of their quarterbacks have made their money. Um, and that's, you know, partially why they've thrown so many interceptions. And so is this sort of like this multiplying factor that that equals terrible offense right now? And really the, the solution, you know, seems to be them, you know, branching out of this box that they put themselves in. Like I know Garoppolo isn't the best deep thrower, but you got to start throwing it more. Like you have to find, give defenses some reason to respect your ability to stretch the field vertically and then hopefully, you know, if you're able to connect on a few of those, it, it opens things up for the underneath routes and open things up for the run game. But uh, until they start stretching the field some more vertically and, and not having so much horizontal stuff and having the level of run blocking that they're at right now, it's just kind of hard to find hope for this offense, um, really, regardless of what, you know, McDaniels is calling. The only thing this offense does well right now is throw short and into the inter- intermediate part of the field. And they can't run the ball. They can't throw deep. Everything is compressed. You just look at that interception that um, Hoyer threw against the Bears. I think it was Jalen Johnson. He just he just sat on top of Devontae Adams, didn't respect him going deep at all. So, I mean, that's just what corners are doing with the, the Raiders right now. They don't respect their ability to get deep. If you don't have to respect the run game, they could just kind of sit on his intermediate routes. And when the Raiders do move the ball, and you know, surprisingly, they could move the ball despite all that, they get into the red zone. They can't do anything because if you can't run in the red zone, your quarterback can't uh, create plays with their legs. They don't want to throw tight window throws. You're not going to be very good in the red zone. And I think the Raiders were 27th in red zone efficiency. They can't score when they get there. So it's, uh, there's a lot of problems with the, the Raiders offense right now, and it doesn't seem like it could get better barring a, a quarterback change or some offensive line changes. And all that stuff is like, obviously, that's offseason stuff. It's not really something you can like, they're probably not fixing that in season. Like, obviously, they're not making a quarterback change in season, but even on the offensive line, like with the trade deadline coming up, teams aren't just giving away starting right tackles and left and right guards. Like, you're not. This is not realistically about to happen, you know, so 
Yeah, man. Like it's, it's, it's basically it's, it's pretty dark for this offense right now, and it's kind of hard to identify like the light at the end of the tunnel for him. Could that light be one Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, he is three and two as a starter. He's back this week. What is he going to change? Is he going to start bombing it? Like, what is he going to come back and keep doing the same shit? The winner. The winner. And fuck all that. I ain't trying to hear about no quarterback wins right now. And they haven't scored twenty points in offense, even with them in in yet. How many points they averaging in three wins? What they have in the first half against the Patriots? They have like uh, before he got hurt. They have thirteen. They may have thirteen before half. So there he's on pace twenty six. I don't know. You guys are right. The offense obviously is uh, is a mess, and like I said, Josh has got no answers. I mean, the only I mean, if you really were being proactive, you could make you said try to make a trade for a guard, or maybe, maybe move Elman over to guard and do something. The O line definitely is worse than it was last year, but I think, like you said, there's no threat with deep pass. I mean, teams are stacking the box against Josh Jacobs, which uh, works every week. So I don't know why they would stop doing it now. And so I think the only hope I uh, really is that Jimmy does play better. He comes out and throws the ball a little throw down the field and makes these throws that, you know, they can make, like you said, an intermediate passing game. And But other than that, there's really, I mean, our Raider fans don't want to hear this, but he's it, man. He's the only hope for this season is Jimmy Garoppolo. If he, has, if he plays better, they have a chance to win some games. If not, then they're screwed. Yeah, we mentioned the trade deadline. That is next Tuesday on Halloween. And, I mean, the Raiders are really not in a great spot going into this deadline because – there's no reason for them to go and be aggressive buyers. Um, you know, we talk about the offensive line. There's there's just not enough offensive linemen to go around in the league. I mean, good teams are out there needing help on the offensive line. Um, so for a team like the Raiders to be able to make any kind of a big deal, any kind of a big trade for an offensive lineman just probably is not realistic. We've heard that they are in the market looking for edge rushers, and there are a few that are um, supposedly going to be out on the market. You know, Chase Young and Montez Sweat out of Washington are, are a couple of guys who are, are likely to be moved or could be moved. But this team is not good enough to be giving up future assets, I don't think, to you know, for any any kind of players that are going to what maybe help them get to eight and nine, nine and eight. But then also they're they're in that spot that because they beat the Packers and they beat the Patriots. You know, they're three and four. We'll see where they're at after Monday night. Um, that, that could be somewhat of a swing game that helps determine what they do on Tuesday afternoon. But best case scenario, they're four and four. Worst case scenario, they're three and five. If you're Ziggler and McDaniels, who are, you know, maybe not on the hot seat, but, you know, feeling a little bit of heat, you're you're probably not in a, in a bad enough position where you want to start selling away too many assets. We do expect that they will probably trade Hunter Renfro. But even if it might be smart for them to consider a trade of Josh Jacobs or Devontae Adams, anything like that, you don't expect that they're going to be a team that's going to want to give away those kind of players because, again, that's that's the only reason they're worth watching right now. Yeah, and it's hard to see, like, Mark Davis signing off on that. Like, even if it is a smart thing, like, that's just, like, very clearly plain as day, like, waving a white flag, like, we suck, we're tanking, like, it's over, like... I, don't, I mean, based on you know everything he said, like I don't, I don't foresee him green lighting something like that. But like you, like you said, at the same time, you know, I don't see them like trading multiple first round picks to try to bring in a star or something because they're not a team. I mean, Ziggler said it this offseason, like they're not a team that's one or two guys away from suddenly becoming a contender. Like it's just not realistic, and so they're just sort of stuck in no man's land, which is like. I would imagine as a fan is like the worst place to be. Not that like tanking is fun, but at least you have like 
the hope of like whatever that high pick is going to turn into or obviously if you're contending like that's fun but just kind of being in the middle just existing like they are now is you know kind of the worst place to be and it's kind of hard to see that changing at least during the season you know what i bet tanking is fun man if you're a fan like you don't give a crap about the result you watch games saturday college football like getting excited about these players uh caleb williams or like you know Carolina quarterback, like, oh man, these guys be our guys. So you're gonna you're fired up on Saturdays now. Sundays, there's no stress. You're like having a party, talking to your friends, you're like looking at young players. You're not gonna get too mad about the losses. I bet I bet tanking's a good time. Getting tanked while tanking. There you go. Let's you can tie it in. I don't know. Let's give it a shot. Not this year, it's too late now. But uh well, I mean, maybe I don't know, they should have done it before. But uh yeah, I mean, we we're all broken records, obviously. They're they're kind of wasting the primes of Josh Jacobs and Max Crosby and Devontae Adams. I'm sure that's part of the reason why Devontae is so frustrated because what's the point? I mean, this team ain't going anywhere, and it probably won't go anywhere while he's here. He has to be kind of regretting his decision to come here. So, um, But, yeah, these are three of the top players in the league. They're not a very good team, and it could get a lot worse on Monday night. That's a tough, tough spot Monday night to play an angry Lions team coming off a loss in front of the first Monday night game in three years and – that coach is definitely an animal, so uh, they're going to be fired up. So you're probably three and five, and they got two home games against you. Know, I mean, not not terrible teams in the Giants and Jets. Both have some talent, so it could get ugly fast for, um, for these veteran guys who um, have some pride. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search the Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about that Lions game. I mean, you mentioned it's a, a Monday night game in Detroit. Very good Lions team. They've had a you know really good season, but got absolutely destroyed last weekend against the Baltimore Ravens, which just doesn't set up well if you're the team that gets to face them next at home. Like you said, an angry team, um, a team that has generally played very well. We saw what they did in the opener going and beating the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, what what is the the game plan? What do you even try to do to uh, to go in and stop what's been a, a really good offense in Detroit? David Montgomery is probably not going to play. And what they really missed with Montgomery out is pass protection, and especially against the blitz. And we saw that against the, the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens didn't blitz him as much as I thought, but when they did blitz him, it was pretty bad. I mean, Jameer Gibbs, the rookie, is not a great pass blocking running back. Not good, actually. And Craig Reynolds, the, the other backup running back, is pretty small, and he can't really pick up the blitz also. So I think if you're the Raiders, this is a game. you know. And Jared Goff has historically struggled against the blitz. His numbers, even this season, are way down compared to his average numbers when uh, he's blitzed. So this is a game where you might want to be aggressive and test those running backs and, and send some blitzes at Jared Goff if you, if you want to stop this offense. I like it. Like Diablo and Merrick just send them every play. I like it. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, like, that's one thing. I mean, the Raiders' defense, like, you know, it's been kind of boom or bust this year, but their pass defense has been pretty good, and they haven't really allowed many explosive pass plays at all. And so, like, 
you know, if the, if the Lions struggle to run the ball without Montgomery and they can limit the downfield passing, you know, they can kind of put put the Lions in a situation that the, that the Raiders offense has been pretty much the whole season in, in theory. You know, if they're able to win up front with their front four, like obviously this Lions offensive line is like arguably the best or one of the best in the league. And so creating pressure against them, especially since the Raiders haven't been able to create pressure against anybody, just rushing forward probably isn't realistic. So I think Ted has the right plan there, you know, getting aggressive and, you know, trying to wreak havoc, you know, on defense because clearly, I mean, if they get into some kind of shootout situation, like this offense isn't capable of scoring with the Lions. And so if they're going to win this one, they're going to have to try to force the Lions into some mistakes on offense. On the other side of the ball, the Lions are great at stopping the run. They have a really good pass rush. And like, they're not the, like they're, they're secondary really is a bunch of guys. Like they don't really have any difference makers out there, but if the Raiders can't run the ball and can't pass protect, like it's going to be a long afternoon for that offense. And so it's hard to feel good about this matchup for the Raiders offense. So if, if they're going to steal this one, I think it's going to, have to be on, on the back of their defense. You're going to have to double Amon St. Brown too. He's by far their best receiver, but then you also have Sam Laporta to worry about. I mean, this is a tough offensive stop, you know, numbers wise, the Raiders linebackers grade well in, in pass coverage, but I mean, Sam Laporta is just, he's a different animal. I mean, he, he was making Levante David look bad uh, whenever he had one-on-ones with him. So you know, that's going to be a difficult matchup. Jameson Williams, uh, he hasn't quite gotten in rhythm with Jared Goff quite yet, but I mean, he has world-class speed and, um, you know, one of the drawbacks with blitzing is you're going to have some one-on-one coverage. So, I mean, there's just not a lot of good answers against this Lions defense. You're going to have to get aggressive and just hope that they're not going to be able to hit some of these one-on-one opportunities, but I think it's better than just sitting back and taking it. You know, and I think for the Raiders offensively, finding some way to be able to play a clean game offensively. Uh, you know, we've seen a Jimmy Garoppolo has thrown an interception every game that he's played. Um, you know, what, eight interceptions, I think, in the uh, in the five games he's played. Can the offensive line stabilize? I mean, there's going to be a raucous environment. Communication is going to be tough, you'd imagine. I mean, it's, it's going to be loud indoors. Finding a way to be able to play a clean game. And I mean, I think that's a lot, a lot on the coaches are going to have to come up with a game plan that that you can entrust these players to to go out there and be able to play relatively mistake-free football. And that's something they've you know, proven to be incapable of doing so far. Yeah, and I think where the Ravens really did a good job of attacking the Lions defense with is um, they had a bunch of plays that took advantage of their aggression. The Lions, they went from one of the worst run defenses in the league to one of the best run defenses in the league this year. And it's mainly because their linebackers are extremely aggressive triggering towards the run. And the the Ravens, um, they use the most play action they have all season against the Lions. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Lamar Jackson was just, you know, his, he had crazy numbers with play actions and RPOs. And that's how you kind of take advantage of this Lions uh, defenses with the play action game. And, you know, I, I'm surprised that the Raiders haven't used mo- more RPOs with Jimmy Garoppolo. He, you know, the, they, they, he did that pretty successfully with the Niners and Josh McDaniels ran a bunch of them with Mac Jones. So I think this would be a good game to kind of put those RPOs back into the offense and RPOs are run pass options, not run, run options. I think some people get that mixed up. I'm not suggesting that you run Jimmy Garoppolo and any, any uh, run options, even though the Raiders ran one with Brian Hoyer on Sunday, which was pretty ugly. But uh, you got to try to take advantage of the aggressiveness of the, of the Lions linebackers. 
Yeah, I guess before it's all it's all on Jimmy. Jimmy has to play really well, or else the team can't win. That's it. It could be a, a huge Max Crosby game being back in Michigan. Went to went to college in Michigan. You know, a big Max Crosby game. He's got a tough matchup though. Mason against one of the best tackles in the league in Panay. and Panay. And um, I just I'm, I'm surprised. Max is phenomenal. I'm surprised. I know teams are, are scouting against him and trying to stop him, but I'm surprised teams just put like three guys in the guy. Like you know what? It's three guys on you. That's it. You're done. And he's great, but he's not a hard time against three guys. And then make somebody else beat you. I'm, I think last week we saw maybe the Bears do more of that. He wasn't as been more a bigger factor he's had in the past. But yeah, I don't. I mean, if I'm opposing teams, I would say I've I've, I've already schemed to stop. Josh, I've eliminated Josh Jacobs. He's he's out of the picture pretty much. And if I do the same thing with Max Crosby, good luck. I mean, but um, and again, it's, I mean, this season's supposed to be about player development and seeing guys get better. And maybe you know, Raiders have some guys take some steps up in the next few weeks. Maybe Terry Wilson you know, gets going. Maybe you know the secondary plays a little better, but um. The D tackles, maybe Byron Young somehow gets back in the mix and starts making plays. But uh, barring the young guys taking a step forward and, and showing things they haven't so far, you know, this team is what it is. I mean, they have, you know, three great players. And then uh, the wild card, and people are going to scoff and roll their eyes. But it is Jimmy. If Jimmy has played this year, not well, but he has played well in the past. He came here because he knows Josh's system, blah, 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 blah. Maybe he can play better this week and get some points on the board. If not, then. It's going to be a dire, uh, dire few weeks. I mean, you talk about young guys. Uh, you look at the uh, the stat sheet from last week. Tyree Wilson plays twenty two snaps, thirty thirty seven percent. Byron Young plays thirteen snaps, twenty two percent. We talked about it a lot last season when you know this defense was, was struggling and they just simply were not. You know, the young guys that they had drafted, Neil Farrell Jr. and Matthew Butler. Um, Farrell obviously is now gone off to uh, off to the Chiefs. Those guys were just simply unable to even crack the rotation. weren't even getting snaps. You know, and it's not the same degree. These guys are playing a little bit, but and with with Farrell and Butler, those were fourth and fifth round picks. They didn't have a lot of picks last year. That was easier to dismiss. But with Wilson and Young, I mean, those are guys you spent second and third round picks on. If those guys can't get worked into the rotation more heavily, it's really a, a hell of an indictment on Dave Ziegler and the drafting of this team that, you know, not only are these guys not coming in and producing, but like they're not even earning the opportunity to to really see what they can do because they're, you know, they're getting so few snaps. Um, it's just, like, you, you want to see reasons for hope. And the fact that the young guys are struggling to get on the field um, is it, not a reason for hope. Yeah, it's kind of similar to our whole Hoyer O'Collin conversation. Obviously, um, they feel like right now, Adam Butler and John Jenkins give you a better chance to win these games than Byron Young, which, I mean, those guys are good guys, and they're veteran guys who know what it takes to play in this game, but they're not difference makers. They're not guys who are going to really, um, you know, help you beat the Lions in Monday Night Football. So I think you are in kind of a – that's been the problem all along. They're in a weird kind of, you know, middle ground where they're not good enough to win now. They don't really want to focus on developing guys for the future quite yet, so they're kind of just showing up and – and uh hoping things work out for the best. I think Tyree Wilson is getting better. You know, you see improvements from him every game. He he had his first sack against the Bears, and he, he had another nice do, pressure. Do we really count that? Do, do you really count a sack on, on a Hail Mary? I'll say he's still he's, – he's getting better. Like, he looks better as far as his um, get-off. You know, his get-off is not super late, and you can see the power, you know – the left tackle for the bear, uh, he, he, he did struggle with his powers at, at, at time, at times. So, you know, I, 
with the improvements, you want to see his snap count increase. Michael Mayer is um, clearly he's a bigger part of the offense than he was in beginning of the year. He had some opportunities against the Bears that um, they just couldn't capitalize on. And Jacorian Bennett, I don't I don't know what's going on with him, but if he's healthy, I think you got to play him, you know, and just take some of those lumps. I mean, he clearly has the um, the athleticism to be to be a good corner, but he he needs to get better as far as his processing technique and only comes with playing time. And then, you know, like Aiden O'Connell, like if if the Raiders get to a position where they are losing games, is there a time where you just start Aiden O'Connell and get him some experience and evaluate him? You're paying Jimmy, what, uh, $32 million this year and next year? I mean, guaranteed? I mean, you can't be playing Aiden O'Connell. I mean, and again, you know, I know people are down on Jimmy, and I'm, I guess I'm becoming his fucking spokesman, but... Um, I think he deserves a chance to, like, you know, hopefully stay healthy and play some games in a row and string some games together and get some comfort. But um, I think he'll play better this week. I think, he'll, you know, we'll see how much better. But, um, yeah, there's no, there's no question that he's a better quarterback than A. McConnell is, and I don't think it's very close. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, you know, like, I mean, Aiden O'Connell is a, a four-round pick. Like, we don't – he doesn't need to play. Like, it's fine if he doesn't play. I like guess it's, it's, it's okay, guys. Like, it's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's plenty of backup quarterbacks taking in that range every year. Like, if that's all he ever is, cool. And part of it's hope. And Raider fans, obviously, they, they see Jimmy's eight picks and, like, yeah, this guy ain't the guy. And, may, oh, Sean O'Connell may be the guy. So they're hoping. And I get that. It's, hope is great. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's, uh, it's the way to go quite yet yeah but i will say like with their draft picks overall like you know i think both years like last year obviously they didn't have top picks in the first two rounds and then this year like even when the draft happened like we, we all i think we're in the consensus that like these are all like for the future moves and it kind of aligned with the rest of their offseason like they didn't really do anything crazy in free agency or, or swing a big trade like you know but even within that like you can be like building for the future and you still would love to see like some flashes in the present like i think the seahawks is a great example of that last year like they drafted a shit ton of rookies um and that's obviously building for the future but a lot of those guys like flashed in year one and that's you know it's not always going to happen like never not every single rookie is going to be an instant hit but you would hope as the season goes on that these guys are able to become positive or plus contributors in in some kind of way and and right now it's just kind of a group of dudes but you know it's been seven games like you know it's still early in the season we'll see as the year goes on if some guys are able to turn it around but yeah I mean like obviously the Raiders are not a good team and so if you have a bunch of rookies on a not good team you would hope that they would have pretty big roles but if those guys can't carve out roles on bad teams it's it's obviously a <laughs> not a good sign so but you know there's still time for them to, to carve out those roles so I think we just got to give it give it a little bit more time. FYI Trey Tucker had a he he was wide open down the seam and Brian Hoyer didn't see the safety rotation and, and missed him on that also if the team is three and nine, Jimmy Garoppolo has 13 interceptions. Like there's no purpose in playing Aiden O'Connell. No, I mean, for them to be three and for them to be three and nine, that means the offense is still awful. Why would you throw, even if you want to develop him, why would you throw him out there in a terrible situation where the offense sucks and like, let him, let him get beat up on for six more games. Like, Cause I'm not even saying Aiden O'Connell is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo has a, there's a baseline with Jimmy Garoppolo. I understand that, but you want to evaluate what you have in Aiden O'Connell, and I know he's a fourth round draft pick. I don't think that's evaluating him though. Like that's like if, if the offensive line like continues to like not be good, they can't run the ball, they can't push the field vertically. 
I don't really I don't think that's really a good situation for like a young guy to develop. Like I think that's just gonna like he's gonna go out there and suck like Jimmy Garoppolo sucks at that point if they they're three and nine, you know. Their pass blocking is okay. I mean, it, it's okay, and they have some weapons, you know. So it's not like a terrible situation for a rookie, I don't think. Plus, the other part of it is is Jimmy Garoppolo is like basically guaranteed to be on the roster next year. Like, if you bench Jimmy Garoppolo halfway through the season and he's guaranteed to be on the roster next season, like, what are you like? Is this going to be like a twenty million dollar paperweight with sunken cost fallacy, man? Sunken yeah. cost fallacy. It's already that too shit, late. That shit ain't happening. But if you want to do that, if you're three and nine, you want to do that, then get like a bag of helmets and walk by Jimmy G and drop him on his foot, and then he's off for the rest of the year. I could you know, do that then, but you can't bench the guy. I mean, I just think that it's. Um, I, mean, I can't imagine Josh McDaniels goes to Mark Davis like, "Hey, remember last year we had Derek Carr give him an extension, then I benched him, and we got nothing for him in the, in the trade, and we signed Jimmy G. Ah, we were wrong there too. So now we're going to go with Aiden O'Connell. I don't I can't see that conversation happening in Week 13 with uh, with the owner." If they're three and nine and the offense is still doing nothing, odds are something probably if Garoppolo's getting hit and beat up, like odds are you probably don't need to drop that bag of helmets on him. There there's gonna be a an, an easy reason to uh to pull him out of the lineup. Uh and I'm but not right. and dropping bags of helmets on players. That's just me popping off. I'm not saying it's a viable strategy. Let me make that clear. That was the Marquette King strategy, right? Mm. <laughs> he got hurt somehow lifting weights on a freaking on a team flight, and they wanted to stash him for a year when they had Shane Leckler in his last year. So, yeah, you can't do it. It's been done all the time. Uh, usually not with starting quarterbacks, though. Backup punters, that, it works there. All right, uh, we're going to get to our game picks, but before, I'm going to ask for one other prediction. This time next week, what team does Hunter Renfro play for? The Las Vegas Raiders. I think they can't trade him because the contract which they gave him, which is hilarious. They give him a big contract and they don't play him, and they kind of kill all his value. No one, people have to wonder why he's not playing. I mean, he's not really an attractive guy to go pursue, and plus he's going to cost a lot. So, I think he's stuck. Yeah, I mean, they they paid him a contract they can't trade, and they tanked his value. So <laughs> he's going to be a raider. I mean, it, it's you know the reports are that they they've been trying to trade him. They they can't find a suitor just yet. So. I don't see, you know, a team coming out all of a sudden and then seeing his statistics and what he's done this season and saying we desperately need Hunter Renfro. So I think I think he's going to be a Raider. I'll mix it up. I say he's going to be a New Orleans Saint. Um, I think Ooh. at this point, um, when it comes to his contract, like if you're the Raiders, if you're not going to use him, out in, and you're you're not going to cut him, obviously, like or if you were going to cut him anyway, like just pay down his salary and, and trade him. You know, because I mean that the five, I think it's five, six million dollars is base salary. Like, I would have to imagine. Like, I know Hunter Renfro was like not playing well, and he was hurt last season. But like, if he's league minimum salary, like a million dollars for the season or less than that, like, there's a lot of struggling offenses in the league. I know we talk a lot about the Raiders, but like, offense is like at like the worst it's been since like 2000 right now league wide. And there's a lot of struggling red zone offenses. And, you know, I think there's several teams that could use Renfro's skill set. And I mean, if you basically have to trade a late round pick and pay him a million dollars this season and his contract next year is not guaranteed. So if it goes bad, you can just get out of it. Like I would have to think there's at least one team that would basically take him for free is basically what they're getting him for there. If not, you know, I guess he could just sit on a roster for the rest of the year. Like, I think that that'd be better than cutting him because, you know, injuries do happen. Like maybe there's a situation later in the year where a few guys go down and you need room for the play. And then in the off season, you can try to trade him again or, or cut him in. Yes, yeah, this is a shitty situation they put themselves in. It doesn't really make sense at, at any direction. Like you would think like they saw enough on tape to decide whether they like him or not before they gave him 
that extension um, that pretty much locked them in for for two more seasons. So um, they they obviously soured on him last year, couldn't move him this off season, and, and now they're they're in a bind. Yeah, I mean his base salary this year six and a half million um, by the trade deadline. About almost half of that will be have been paid out. So he, less than three and a half million left on that base salary. So if you're trading him. You pay down two million of that. You leave the acquiring team to pay a million. Maybe, maybe you pay down two and a half million of that, or whatever. They, you know, essentially the acquiring team is is paying a, a minimum salary, and you're, you're buying a draft pick. You know, it's probably only going to be like a, you know, a six rounder or whatever. But you can buy a draft pick. So yeah, I'm going with uh, he's going to be a saint. Like I can't believe every team and like teams would be that low on Hunter Renfro where he wouldn't take him on for like less than a million dollars in like a seventh round pick like nobody would do that like i would be kind of surprised personally unless the raiders are just saying they're not going to pay down the salary which i'm not i'm not showing that one i'm sure the saints want hunter renfro but i don't know if i can see dave ziggler and joshua daniels gift wrapping Derek Carr as bff i mean uh after all that happened last season so i think they're a little, little petty so i'm not sure I, the saints would make sense but i don't know if dave is going to pull a trigger on that one if that's uh, if that's out there all right. Well, now it's real prediction time. Raiders going to Detroit. Uh, what's what's the spread? I think eight and a half. Not, I think it's going, uh, up. it's going up. Yeah, probably. All right. Who wants to go first? Well, the key is to make a ground rule. So last week we screwed, we screwed up last week, right? We all admit that. We screwed up. We all picked the freaking Raiders. That was a mistake. So this week someone's going to take the bullet and pick the Raiders. Not going to be me. I'm going Lions <laughs> 34, <laughs> Raiders 17. That's my pick. Uh, go to hell. Who's going next? Yeah, I'll go. Who's gonna... Yeah, I'm gonna take Lions. Uh, Lion. Maybe, maybe they kind of muck it up a little bit. It, it, it kind of feels like a game that the Raiders could muck up a little bit. Uh, but ultimately, I think uh, the Lions cover. Uh, I'll say 28, 17. All right, Jimmy, who's going first? I'm going. Well, I'm not taking the Raiders. The Raiders are all you, buddy. Give me a chance to prepare myself. Go ahead. I'm gonna go for like a weird score. Tw- uh, you know, Ted almost had, was almost dead on with mine. I'm gonna go 29-17 uh, Lions. Uh, yeah, it's there's no way they're going to Detroit to to win this game, which probably means now that we're all saying that they probably will find a way to go win. But go ahead, Vic. You can you can pick the Raiders and be the the gallant hero when uh, they actually win. Oh, I can pick the Raiders to just cover the spread and still lose, right? You guys all pick the Raiders. We we don't pick pick, We pick straight up here. (laughs) It's money line. Money line. All right. All right, man. I'm going to keep with my theme of the show. Jimmy Garoppolo uh, has a big coming out party on national TV. Raiders shocked the world 31 30. Whoa. 31? Wow. Hey, man. If I'm going to be wrong, I'll be wrong big and big neon lights. So. There you go. 31-30 Raiders. Uh, shocked the world. You know, in Vic's picks, you did pick the Lions to cover that eight and a half. Oh, yeah. This is, yeah, this is, this is not a, an official <laughs> pick. This is an unofficial <laughs> State of the Nation pick. So I guess I get, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're hedging your bet, basically. This, guy, this guy's a hedger. He's, he's I, just... can't, I can't lose. Yeah. <laughs> you, well, you actually, you actually could lose because you've got a straight up Raiders pick here. So Raiders are going to lose now by eight, and you're well, going to lose both your bets. That's an excellent call right there. That's probably going <laughs> to happen. That is exactly what's going to happen. God dang it. All right. All right. Well, that'll wrap up this week's episode of State of the Nation. Uh, we'll uh, get ready for Monday Night Football. Enjoy your Sunday, guys. You know, be able to to have a relaxing Sunday watching Red Zone, go to the park, do whatever you want. Um, you get to you get to wait till Monday night to uh, to watch the Raiders play. We got a lot of games this week. No 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 teams on a bye this week, right? 
No buys. Yeah, no it's buys. A weird, it's a weird quirk. All right, well, have fun, guys. All right, y'all. All right, adios. Double taking is a good time. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.